Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 401. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of seeding our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 401. Our first sponsor spotlight goes to Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of family farms in the heart of Alaska, working together to grow and distribute fresh, stunning, high-quality peony varieties during the months of July and August. Arctic Alaska Peonies operates three pack houses supplying peonies throughout the United States and Canada. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with farmer florist Mary Marston of Plum Nelly Flower Farm in Cushada, Louisiana. Listen for my conversation with Mary in the second portion of this episode. Today's guest is a longtime friend of mine and a friend of the Slow Flowers movement. I told this story in 2014 when I introduced you to Baylor Chapman in episode 125. She and I originally met in the fall of 2010 when I was on a visit to San Francisco to give a lecture for the Garden Conservancy. We were introduced by a mutual friend, landscape designer and garden writer Susan Morrison, who told me, you need to meet my friend Baylor when you're in town. She's into locally grown flowers just like you are. That led to a wonderful visit to tour Baylor's former loading dock studio in San Francisco's Mission District. I visited with Susan and Rebecca Sweet, another fellow garden designer and blogger, and the three of us had a lot of fun drooling over Baylor's floral creations and learning more about her design philosophy based on seasonal and locally grown floral elements. Baylor is the creator and owner of Lila B. Design, a San Francisco-based design studio. Her creative path is well-documented in the pages of The 50 Mile Bouquet, where we featured her in a chapter entitled The Accidental Flower Farmer. I'll share a link to the PDF of that chapter in today's show notes for you to learn more about her background, and I'll share a link to that podcast episode from 2014 as well. Writing, teaching, and consulting about designing with plants has occupied a good part of this creative woman's life for the past five plus years. She hasn't completely shifted from growing and designing with cut flowers, but she has found a special place in the living plant world, an important and growing niche in the floral marketplace. Today, she is described as an author, plant designer, botanical strategist, and promoter of all things green. In 2014, Baylor produced and wrote The Plant Recipe Book, 100 Living Arrangements for Any Home in Any Season, published by Artisan Books with photography by Paige Green. Last month, she released her second title, Decorating with Plants, also published by Artisan Books with photography by Aubrey Pick. Here's a bit more about Decorating with Plants. Baylor Chapman walks readers through everything they need to know to bring houseplants into their home. First, there's Plant Care 101, from how to assess light conditions to tricks for keeping your plants alive while on vacation. Baylor gives readers the simple foundational information they need to ensure that their plants will thrive. Then she introduces the reader to 28 of her favorites, specimens that are tough as nails but oh so stylish, from the eye-catching rubber tree to the delicate Cape Primrose. 
Finally, she guides readers through the home, room by room. Place an aromatic plant like jasmine or gardenia next to your entry to establish your home's signature scent. Add a proper sense of scale to your living room with a ceiling grazing palm. Create a living centerpiece of jewel tone succulents for a dining table arrangement that will last long after your dinner party. From air purification to pest control, there's no limit to what houseplants can do for your home. And decorating with plants is there to show you how. How to add them to spaces big and small with style. Here's a bit more about Baylor Chapman, excerpted from the Lila B. Design About page. Baylor writes, Every day I am inspired by the raw beauty of nature and constantly think about ways of how to bring it into my home and yours. I believe that nature is handsome more than pretty. I'm always searching for an unexpected definition of beautiful. I love working with plants so much that I've spent more than 15 years surrounding myself with them. I attended the UC Berkeley program for garden design, founded Lila B., a San Francisco green certified plant and flower design business, authored my first how-to title called The Plant Rest recipe book, and built a parking lot garden in the middle of the city. Bringing nature to the city is essential to what I do, so you can often find me creating botanical arrangements in the urban industrial Mission District neighborhood where my own garden and studio reside. For me, it all comes back to the idea that even if you have a really small space, you can bring a little bit of green indoors. Whether it is an elaborate living living centerpiece or a tiny single succulent, through plant design you can make any space feel at home. I spent my childhood on a farm, followed by years working on an eco-friendly estate, which lent a natural edge to my design aesthetics. Now I live in an apartment located in a converted box factory, a testament to my commitment to design, and my back deck is home to many of my favorite plants. In 2014, Baylor was commissioned by a major international hotel chain to collaborate on their worldwide botanical strategy. Her work has also appeared in Sunset Magazine, Good Housekeeping, and Better Homes and Gardens. She's been a guest on PBS's Growing a Greener World and a DIY expert on HGTV and House.com. She loves to travel around the country teaching people how to beautify their homes with living centerpieces. So visit DebraPrinzing.com for today's show notes to see interior images and the cover of Baylor's new book and to follow links to her upcoming lectures and workshops. I'll also add her social places so you can follow and see her many creative projects. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to introduce you to Baylor Chapman of Lila B Designs. Baylor is a return guest to this podcast. Hi, li- hi, hi, Lila. <laughs> hi, Baylor. <laughs> you know what's so funny is when we were sitting in my living room, what f- four years ago, the same thing happened. You said hi, Lila. Did oh my god, and, that's a blooper. But we know each other, so it's just the Lila B throws a lot of people off. So hi, Deborah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you can just call me slow. It's fine. I'll take I'll that. Just <laughs> I actually, I, this is a complete. De- departure, but my I, my license plate is a vanity plate, and it's slow flow S L O W F L O because I didn't have enough room for anything else. And this guy pulled up to me recently, next to me on and, like at a light, and rolled it indicated I should roll down my window. And I thought he was going to tell me like my tire was flat or something. And he said, "Hi, are you flow?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "No, I'm not that insurance gal." <laughs> Oh, that's so, so great. All right. Well, those are bloopers, but uh, it's okay. okay. I like that anyway. I just say, Baylor, I love you, and I'm so glad you're back on the podcast. And this is not an in-person interview. It's a virtual interview, but I'm glad we got to do one together in person in your beautiful living room. That was nice. That was very nice. Thanks for having me back. You bet. We actually just saw each other because you were in Seattle speaking a number of times at the Northwest Flower and Garden Festival in February. That is such a great show. If anybody is ever interested, they need to go there. It's just fabulous. It's filled with so many really interesting speakers and inspirational stuff and a great shopping area. So go. Yay. I say go. Yeah, and I hope yeah. you come back. Well, um, yes. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what your current business model is. But first, we have to talk about decorating with plants. This is your brand new book just out in April. What to choose ways to style and how to make them thrive is the subtitle to decorating with plants. And so this first got on my radar when you started a new Instagram account decorating with plants, maybe last Ah. earlier, maybe last 
winter or something. Can, is that Was that yes. sort of laying the groundwork for the book? It was. It was just kind of thinking about another avenue because Lila B. had a certain look and feel. And I thought, oh, maybe I should kind of pivot that a little bit and make it match and mm. uh, mimic the mm. book, and the look and the feel of the book. Well, let's talk about all your, like all your things, all your gigs. So you, you have Lila B. Design, which I want to update people on. That's based in San Francisco. You're a longtime Slow Flowers member. You, we featured you in the 50 Mile Bouquet. So you kind of were slow Aww. before everyone was slow. Um, you've then produced a beautiful book called um, The Plant Recipe Book, also by Artisan. I think this is, you're with the same publisher for decorating with plants, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. And so plants have been part of your brand at Lila B Design, but like, how's it all kind of culminating in this beautiful brand new book you have, Decorating with Plants? Well, I think that, um, I think what I realized I really love to do is I really love to kind of encourage people to play with plants and encourage people that they can do it, that I meet so many people and they say, oh, I have a black thumb. And that makes me so sad. I'm like, no, you don't have a black thumb. I promise. I promise. <laughs> it's just about experimentation and trying and try again. Um, so I think there's so much joy that's around plants and flowers that's created, at least for me. Mm-hmm. So I want to help other people kind of get out of their head, get away from their computer, their regular work, whether they're a busy mom or they've got tons of bills to pay or, you know, all these computer projects to do at work, kind of get away and play with some plants and kind of feel what joy that brings. Um, And then the book is kind of to show people these tips and tricks and tools, how to play with plants, um, how to create different arrangements, whether they're half cut flowers and half plants or they're all plants or there's just a single plant in a pot. Um, and then yeah. it's just about gaining confidence, like encouraging people that you can do it, try these things, and it feels really good. It does. I think it does anyway. It, it does. And this is the most beautifully designed book. And I know you pretty much conceptualized all of these gorgeous photos because there. I, I we talked a little bit about this when you were here in February. You had you had to not only do kind of a primer on living and caring for plant, living with and caring for plants, but you had to show environments that um, the reader could relate to for using plants in every single room in their home. Yes. So the book starts out with 28 plants that I really like. I tried to uh, choose plants with a a variety of um, attributes. You know, some Mm -hmm. have colorful leaves, some have a flower. So I started with that. And Aubrey Pick is the most amazing photographer. Mm. I think her, um, she had really good inspiration for the backdrops of the portraits, kind of gave each plant their personality with these beautiful kind of artsy canvases in the backdrop. And then it goes... Um, then it goes room by room, um, which the concept is fairly simple and it could be liquid, meaning that, you know, of course you can take the bedroom plants and put them in another room. (laughs) It doesn't need to be that, but it just to give somebody, you know, a, a concept to go with. Um, to kind of say, okay, in the bedroom or in the entryway, here are four great plants. And the reason we're choosing these four is because they have fragrance. So it's kind of giving you a reason to choose four plants to go in the bedroom. Um, But yes, then we had to decorate all these spaces. And luckily, my neighbors, um, this company called Sourced by Good or Jack W. really helped out and lent me their space. And then the woman from Apartment 34 lent us her space and another interior designer hers. And then some of it was taken at mine. So we had to stage a lot of these photographs, but um, it was a lot of moving plants in and out, but well, plants I still have. <laughs> oh my God. Baylor, how many plants do you have in your uh, house in San Francisco? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it was insane at one point. It was so insane that they were flowing out of my house, out of my, you know, I live in an 850 square foot apartment. It's basically one huge room. And they were spilling out into the hallway, into the stairwell, into my parking space. But the good news is, is I've found a lot of homes with clients and other places. So the plants are, are slowly finding homes. But my neighbor came up to me the other day and she said, I'm so sad. The hallway isn't as full as it used to be. I bring back more of your plants. <laughs> oh, so isn't that sweet? I loved that. Yeah. Well, it's, the so. book is, uh, you've just, you're so inventive about how you help people see the potential for integrating plants into every part of their 
home. And I love just even the quirkiness of it, like in the kids' room section where you picked plants that were obviously kids safe, i.e. not thorny or whatever, but but have this kind of whimsy to them and that that just we could talk maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the plants you chose for perfect for a child's room oh my gosh well I think that those are my favorite each chapter has a must-have mm. or four must-have plants like I said with the entry we suggest four fragrant plants but for the kids room I think that was my I don't even have children but that was the most fun chapter for me for some reason because it was kind of this bit of whimsy so the four um, plants we chose there were you know there's a Hawarthia or a commonly known as a zebra plant mm. too which is mm-hmm. you could literally throw it across the room and it would probably be fine um <laughs> And it's got these little polka dots. It's a succulent. Um, and then other ones that are more touchable, like the panda plant, which is also a succulent, um, the kalanchoe. But, um, and it's kind of got this dusty appearance to it. But my favorite is the frizzle sizzle one, which has these curly, curly um, leaves on it, which is really fun. And so, I honestly never yeah. have, I'd never seen that plant before. And it's- a, You haven't? A, no, Albuca spiralis frizzle sizzle. Something out of a, do- like yes. something out of a Dr. Seuss book. So true. Well, that's, that's a yes. little, that's a little um, kind of, that shows a little bit of your personality too, in terms of not taking this so seriously. And again, maybe making this accessible so people don't feel intimidated about- choosing a plant and you know all all that guilt if they if it accidentally dies you know none of that yeah, stuff. if it dies it dies I mean it's the same with cut flowers it's funny because you buy cut flowers and you expect them to die but plants we put this huge pressure on ourselves to keep it alive forever and I think we have to just be a little lighter and just realize that if we only enjoy it for a month we only enjoy it for a month and and it's just the cycle of life and 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 just smile when you've got it. Right. Don't cry right. when it's gone. <laughs> just feed your compost pile, you know? Yeah. You have some wonderful kind of, you're almost like having to create a a mission statement for why people should live with plants. Like you, you weave in a lot of things that would be benefits, I guess, if you were having to give a sales pitch about like air purifying and stress re- release and like sort of these intangibles that people don't understand until they fill their home with plants. And I I think that's really important, especially in today's crazy world, you know, just to have that reminder. This is why we love plants so much. And even it can just be one plant. Seriously, there's in the office chapter, there's four, I think three or four pictures of um, different settings, whether it's kind of this sandy beach. And all it is, is just a little glass vase with some layered sand in and an air plant. It's just simple, but it's supposed to evoke the feeling of the connection to nature. And there's another one with just a little piece of moss. Yes. And I think that that's, for me, I think there, I, I, I don't know if it's how I grew up because I grew up first in the suburb of Chicago and then in the country. And now I live in this very urban space and I'm always craving this connection to nature. And even if it's one little succulent, but if it can bring me back or kind of remind me, oh, there's just a little bit of green mm-hmm. and um, make me feel a little more calm. Mm, I love that. So this book is sort of a, a, one of those time consuming endeavors that means explains why we haven't been in touch because I know you've been busy and then now you're you it's out and now you've obviously got people you're you're you know who want you to speak or want you to do book events and that sort of thing but are you feeling like you can maybe get back to the business of what Baylor Chapman is all about and what Lila B Design is all about like how are you kind of I guess business as usual, or are you doing new things? That's a good question. <laughs> or I'm both. At this point, am I, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I wonder where, if we talk in two years, and I know I'll see you before two years, but kind of have the same um, conversation where I'll be and what I'll be doing. And I know that I know that I do want changes are ahead. Um, Lila B is still running, and I work with this uh, wonderful woman, Sarah Green, who you met at the Northwest Fire and Garden Show because she yes, came with me. Yes. And um, she has been taking care of all our regular clients. You know, we have doctor's offices. We go in every two months and we deliver these succulent arrangements to them. 
them, swap them out and bring them a new one. Um, and she's also hosting classes because, you know, we're in San Francisco, this kind of like hub for all these tech firms. And they'll call us up, like Uber will call us up and say, we want a, a team building event. And, and Sarah or I will um, head that up. And we just did something with CB2 as well. Oh, wow. And it's just um, That's so neat. Yeah, it's fun. It's so- nice to see all these people get out of their head and start playing with plants. And they change. They, they start breathing slowly and laughing and smiling. <laughs> and it's really nice. Well, it's all very much uh, reflective of your core brand, which is uh, plant centric. I would I would guess. I mean, you've you've kind of you haven't abandoned cut flowers, but really, almost everything you do has some plant component to it, right? It does, and and that's what you mentioned in the beginning yeah. is that um, when I at 30 something, I changed careers and I went, um, back to school and learned about, um, garden design and gardening and all that kind of stuff. And at first I worked on an estate gardening and then I started doing their floral arrangements. And we, we, I think, I mean, this is, we cut, we cut a lot of the florals from their garden Mm. and brought it in their home. And, um, and then when I started my own business, somehow I just moved right into cut flowers. And then, after I kind of got my feet on the ground, what do I really want to do? I wanted to tie back into plants. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's about, well, you do both very, you do them effortlessly. And I think that sometimes that ability to transition back and forth makes you more nimble and more, you know, ability, I guess that ability to pivot, um, you know, uh, to, to respond to client demands or to opportunities is, really great to have sort of more tools in your toolbox. Uh, I would guess that your, uh, your life of being a wedding event designer for floral has maybe in the past now, I mean, you're not pursuing weddings at that level that you used to, are you? No, I don't. I think I last year I didn't do one the year before I did one and it was for, um, yeah, it was for a client whom I loved. So I right. I'd only do maybe once in a while. And we did planted arrangements, a lot of them, except for, of course, the bridal bouquet and oh, things. Cool. But we did a lot of planted arrangements there. Yeah. So that, that, that's been a number of years that you've kind of phased out. Probably yes. when you were doing the plant recipe book is when you just didn't have time to do weddings, right? Well, you know what it was is, I don't know if this is the direction you want the conversation to go, but I think that I mentally decided and I... I said, okay, I'm going to pursue something I love. I love doing weddings, but I had reached my, um, my limit with them. They are very stressful. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there's a lot of perfectionism involved with them. And I decided let's do something um, else that I want to do more. And literally two things happen. You know, the book, uh, my agent, Kitty Cowles, called me up, who is now my agent, had this book idea. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so strange. I just decided – to pursue something else, to pursue more of these living centerpieces and also um, cut down on the number of weddings and, and look what happens, the door wow. opens. So wow. I'm a big believer in really standing up to um, to what you want to do because right. you, you have to say no to something in order for something else to come into your life. And before, believe me, we were doing two or three weddings a weekend and it was insane. And um, it was just, we were really busy and I had no time for anything else. And that was, what, about four or five years ago that you started working on the plant recipe book? It came out in 2014, and that only took a year. So I started in 2012 or 13. Okay. But, yeah. Wow, right around Mm – that's that's so interesting. It was right – well, let's see, the 50-mile book cake came out in 2012. And at the time, time, I was fascinated with your use of plants – in your floral design. And so it, you've, you've always had this thread of using tillandsias and succulents and um, yeah. ferns, uh, you know, with their roots and all in yeah. your floral design. That's yes. so interesting. I can't remember if you, um, we had a, I don't think we had our greenhouse when you came to our parking lot garden back in 2012, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. eventually we did did build, um, Sophie worked with me and her now husband built a greenhouse for us where we grew a lot of the plants and the succulents that we used. Right. Well, if people are interested in that story, I will do two things. I will share the PDF of our chapter called, I think it was called the accidental flower. What do we call that chapter? I'm going to look for, look at it while we're talking. Yeah, I'm going to, oh, I've got it right. Oh my gosh. I'm in. I just had to get up and grab the the 50 mile bouquet off of the, uh, 
off the shelf here. And uh, while and uh, while I'm flipping, I'll just continue to say also that you. Oh yeah, the accidental flower farmer. That was the name of the chapter. Oh yeah. Okay, and that was in the fifty dollars okay. case. So I'll share that, but I'll also share the podcast interview that we did a couple years ago, and uh, people can fill in the blanks that I'm forgetting to ask right now. Okay. I know we're all over the map, and I apologize for that. I have so much I want to ask you about. Um, I guess this idea of uh, opening up your space, you know, opening up your your schedule to allow the next thing that's going to really fulfill you come in is so important, and it's just kind of a, a thread that I'm hearing about in a, a lot of arenas that I'm talking with creatives, either for articles or for this podcast. Like, like we all know that floristry and landscaping and horticulture, you know, anything that requires physical labor is demanding. And so if you're not taking, finding joy in it, then you've got to, you've got to make an intentional move or shift to, I guess, pick the pieces that you love the most. And it sounds like that's really been your journey. Yes. I think there's a real balance. You know, you keep your clients that you need to keep it, you know, you, it's a balance between finances and, and love. And of course mm. they, you know, they might not match all the time, but I think when you're not, for me, I don't, at towards the end of the wedding season, I wasn't serving my clients like I did the year before, mm-hmm. you know, because my heart wasn't as deep in it. And I think that's not fair to me. That's not fair to my clients. Um, and so let's start saying no and see what else comes up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Well, so now you have, you said that Sarah is starting, is pretty much running the daily operations of Lila B. And it sounds like that is a, a mixture of uh, providing arrangements, planted arrangements for clients, corporate maybe, and maybe residential clients, but then also doing workshops. Is there any, you don't have a retail storefront anymore per se, right? No. And um, we have a really nice location for it because I'm within, you've been there, the stable cafe yes. and we've got these plum trees and this beautiful garden. And we have, it's I, I kind of call it a working showroom and I have things for sale there that you can buy through, through the cafe, mm. but I don't have a, a a, a full-time retail person um, always making things. I, I found that that wasn't in line with my interests as yeah. well. You know, I, I had some consultants um, in San Francisco. We have these great uh, free consultants that I got some fabulous advice for. I was really thankful for their advice. And they looked at my numbers and they told me, Baylor, you need to be doing weddings. You need to be doing retail. And that's where you make all your money because I did have this retail. So I bumped it all up. But that's when I realized, wow, to say, wait a second, I'm not as happy with this because I was no longer doing plant arrangements. I was managing a team of people and I kind of stepped too far away from my love, which is arranging and working with plants and flowers. Right, so right. that's when I decided, okay, um, let's make a shift there as well. So that's mm-hmm. why we're mostly um, project-based right now. Right. But then um, you also have Baylor Chapman, the creative uh, writer, speaker, stylist, uh, you know, curator, and all of those things in your portfolio are really what sounds like what make your heart sing and are exciting. It's it's uh, another transition, I guess. Gosh, how many years? I can't remember how many years I've been doing this now. But I think that with any business, you transform and you pivot and you shift and you take a left-hand turn and then a little bit to the right. (laughs) And that's what I'm doing again is kind of, okay, um, I found some other things that I really love to do. And so while Sarah handles a lot of our business at Lila B, I've created, and I think it'll be up very soon, a BaylorChapman.com website, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, will be up in it. That's more about writing and styling and then um, different different topics that I find interesting about plants and people's relationships to plants and how they make us better people and traveling around the world and kind of communicating what happens there and what could happen here and how everyone interacts. Yes, I love that. That's so exciting because I feel like that is um, where you get to be more uh, of an artist uh, in those spaces, even if even if it's for a corporate client, if it's the right corporate yeah. client, right? Why not? Because the, I mean, gosh, if you're going to influence anyone, I'd love to influence the people who don't get around nature enough, who are inside <laughs> a cubicle, seriously, and 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 re- help them feel better. Mm-hmm. Gosh, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. That's neat. So, um, what 
what do you have cooking this year? Are you going to continue to teach? I know you have been teaching a lot at Filoli and um, other yeah. venues in the in the Bay Area. Yes. So I hope to do some more of that. Um, I've been talking to different garden clubs and I am going back to Filoli in June. Um, and yeah, so I, I've got some things in the works. Um, excited. And I love that. I just, there's something about when people come in a little frustrated or thinking they can't do something and then they leave um, with a big fat smile on their yeah. face. It's yeah. pretty neat. It's pretty, and their little dirt under their fingernails. It's pretty nice. So, <laughs> that yeah. is so cool. Well, um, I know that you have some great resources in um, in the back uh, section of uh, decorating with plants. And I saw a few things that I knew were products you had designed and developed yourself, like those hanging, the, the leather hanging um, hangers, uh, I guess. Are you yeah. still selling those? I still have some. So if anybody wants any, you can <laughs> let me know. I worked on those Um it, yeah, with, it was a company called Craft Carriage helped me with those, and we did you know the brass hooks and the rivets. And I was so happy was, to was, yeah, I was so yeah. happy to see that in this book. I'm like, <laughs> is she getting back into product development? <laughs> I know, I I loved that. It's just I think when that came up, I was doing too many things at once, mm -hmm. and I didn't have time to focus. So if I ever go back to product development, which is of an interest to me, it's kind of um, in the side pocket of what I'd like to do someday. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. And I thought that was fun because I feel like the garden industry needs some needs some new products. Um, yeah. I agree. I really agree. I think that there's just some uh, some shapes and sizes that feel a little bit dated, and um, there needs to, you know mm -hmm. innovation happens when when people like you look at a problem and think, oh, there's a great solution. I like the the one we just talked about. Uh, mm -hmm. But it sounds like that will just happen maybe as a adjunct to some of your other. Um, your yes. other travels or your um, blogging or your styling. And I mean, it's all, it's all good. It's like the plant life is what you're living now. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about just a couple projects that you designed in, um, in the pages of uh, decorating with plants that do kind of integrate cut flowers with plants, because I think that will uh, circle back to what we, where we started, which is, um, changing people's relationship with plants if they've, you know, not had success. This is maybe a baby steps to take what you already know about floral design and add cut flowers to it. And you did one project in the book called A Living Centerpiece, which is so quintessentially Baylor. It's, I just, I'm drooling over it. It's so pretty. And Aww, you, gave, you gave me a photo that I can share in our show notes. But um, Baylor, you're using poinsettia poinsettia as a house plant here that blew my mind can you talk a little bit about how this came together uh i think well i think that i just love a living centerpiece and mm. i love that um I love when people say, wow, those are all plants, thinking that it's more of a floral arrangement. Because I think what we love about floral arrangements is the fullness and the perhaps it's the color. And, and so I want to um, encourage people that they can do that with plants. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is, is mm -hmm. trying to mimic. I guess I'm trying to copy a floral arrangement with it. And, um, and I ordered this vase um, from Terrain. Um, you know, part of anthropology online mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I got it and it was so big. <laughs> you know, I think, oh, this is a pretty vase. And I got it. I don't know. It's like two feet across or something. It's so enormous. It belongs but, like um, outdoors in the garden, not outdoors on it. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, so it was just, it was super fun to fill because it was so big. I kept just pouring more plants in there and that, you know, there's orchids in there and calla lilies and hydrangea and typical, typical plants that uh, are cut flowers that people use in floral arrangement. Yeah, so think, it's kind of, it's mimicking that. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. It's like, we think about house plants as just foliage plants. And then we forget that there's so many flowering plants that could be brought indoors and are maybe, maybe they're tropical. So they really need to be indoors in North America. And uh, this, this beautiful centerpiece shows that uh, just Thanks. detail by detail. And there's a whole recipe in it. So um, people have to check yeah. that out. The other one I wanted to ask you about, Baylor, is the, and I can't find it right now while I'm flipping through the book. I just saw it earlier, but it's almost like a, a chandelier that you have over <gasps> oh, a table. And that is, yeah. you know, clearly Thanks. people have been making like cut flower chandeliers, but not necessarily planted chandeliers. And I want to know how you did that. 
Okay. And that one I'm cheating. I mean, I'm not cheating, but it is, it's a combination of cut flowers and plants. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So that one I think is in the dining room chapter. Okay. I'm going to flip through and find it. I'm pretty sure. Let's see. But it is, and it's, um, it's this, again, another um, plug for terrain, I guess. Um, they had this cool, uh, uh, contraption that I'm sure anybody could make. That's a ring with three, um, kind of S hooks on it. Mm. And so that's how we could hang it. So basically I just, um, started to make a wreath with kind of forage looking plants. I think I have some protea and leucodendron in Mm -hmm. there. Beautiful. Yeah, I just found it. It's on page 183, the wreath chandelier. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and this is, and this is a cool section because there's three ideas for overhead uh, products or, or I guess, creations that would be above a table yeah so each chapter has a small space big impact because i think a lot of people are apartment dwellers like Mm, myself mm -hmm. that might not have room for tons of floor plants so we tried to come up with in each chapter an idea for if you have a small space where can you go so you can Mm. go up so Mm. yeah this was fun because there's two light fixtures in here and then this wreath contraption and that's where we stuck in the tillandsia and i also stuck in some orchids there Mm, i I see that yeah but um but yeah, I, I loved that, and it dried pretty nicely as well. Um, right. I mean, you know, well, and by crispy, using, but well, right. by using tillandsias, you know, something that doesn't really require a lot of water, you you give it a longer, you know, value for the the person who wants to try to recreate this. It's beautiful. Thanks. Is there one more that you absolutely love that we should talk about? <laughs> That's really unfair because there are hundreds and hundreds of design ideas in this beautiful book. Uh, maybe it's the other one that's, um, that incorporates Kokidama, which is just this mm. thing I love to do. And I do it different ways. I do a kind of this quick and dirty method. And then I do a more traditional method. Um, cause I went to Japan once and, um, my sister and I took this class from two floral designers there on how to make Kokidama. And, oh my gosh, they were just meticulous and wonderful and kind women. But then I come back and I'm like the quick and dirty method, but I do it two ways, but, um, it's the woodland, um, Kokidama tablescape and it's in the dining room chapter. And I like it because, um, you can do these tiny little arrangements that are Kokidama is um, basically moss wrapped. Mm-hmm. So you take the, mm. you unpot your plant and you wrap it in some moss to be very brief about it. And then you can do it with rubber bands, you can do a twine and um, that's your little to go vase. And I think I like these arrangements because at the end of dinner party, you can give it away. You can rearrange it on the table. It's kind of this malleable um, decor and um, yeah. And I think it's fun. It is so charming. It just put such a huge, huge smile on my face when I saw this Baylor because not only is the centerpiece quite detailed and, you know, just so textural and um, has all kinds of interesting things that will allow people to talk about the centerpiece at dinner, but you made these little yeah. place card holders that were Kokidama from like ornamental kale or something, right? I mean, just, yeah, it's I've never seen that kale. done. I mean, oh. They were just little two-inch plants, and they were just too cute. So I had to turn them into this little um, place card. It uh, was my, yeah. So I love it. Yeah. And by the way, that's that's kind of a, a, a room-specific section of the book. But then in the front of the book, when you talk about techniques, you have a, that's your very detailed step-by-step uh, process for creating the moss balls yes. with plants. And yeah. That, uh, that helped me a lot to see that, because I really never know, I didn't know that trick of using the, the plastic wrap to get the, the, the moss to actually ah. wrap around that root ball. And it's, it's just, yeah. it's not as messy as I thought it would be. It's actually really nice. Yeah. And that's what the, uh, the women in the two women in Japan taught me that trick with this cellophane. Mm. It's, it helped. Mm. So. so speaking of Japan, I know you have traveled quite a bit, even in the past year. And I, 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 picked up on something you said about the new Baylor Chapman website that will have, uh, uh something reflecting all your, your, international connections. Do you want to just talk a little bit about how that has inspired you? Yeah, it's just, I think everywhere I go, I meet people that work with plants or work with flowers Mm. and learn how they use them in traditions or use them um, as food or use them as decor. And it's just so fascinating to me about how, um, how it's done, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. even simple like the pandan plant, which I wanted to put in this, but I 
did put it in a presentation that I did mm. um, that I kind of do. Anyone, it's called Anyone Can Play With Plants. And mm. it talks about this plant that you can get online. It's a house plant. Some people turn it into teas. You know, I think it can be a bug repellent. But then this other guy takes them and he weaves them into the most beautiful rose flowers mm. in their leaves. And so I just am fascinated about how people use plants and what they, how they manipulate them, how they cherish them, how, what they believe in them. What do, you know, what do they do? So I'm kind of want to explore that a little bit more. Right. And in the last year, I, haven't you been to both South America and Asia in, in the pursuit of personal travel, but also plants. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my sister is so kind because everywhere I go and it's good because it gives us a, a, a tourism schedule or a purpose or, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, some people go hiking, some people go to museums and I go to plant nurseries and gardens. <laughs> so yeah, we did the same in Guatemala and, um, yeah, it was pretty great. Oh, Central it's America. Great. Yeah. And then you, you, yeah. You mentioned Japan, but you've also spent time in a, a, a number of other Asian countries pursuing yeah. plants. Yeah, yeah. Anything on the I calendar? More. Anything on the calendar coming up? Oh, I wish. I think that I'm. I'm at this resting point. To tell you the truth, the book just came out. A lot of personal stuff in my life has just um, uh, kind of. I've. I don't know. Just yeah. at a pivotal point. So yeah. I'm kind of taking a breath and. Um, and I'm hoping to travel, yes, that, and that will happen in the next year for sure. Good, good. So. We'll come back to Seattle when we both have more time. I was so glad we stayed at the same hotel and could see each other at the breakfast buffet every day. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. In I fact, enjoyed that. Yeah. I was mentioning really. you to Bruce, my husband, about that I was going to interview you for the podcast. Or maybe he saw the book on the kitchen table, but um, he's like, oh, I remember her. She was at the breakfast buffet at the Sheraton. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad I got to meet him too. That was fun. Well, um, we've kind of made this a very personal conversation. I hope people will indulge us, but I, I, I don't want people to think that slow flowers is just about flowers. Slow flowers is about having plants in your life as well, especially because they are very sustainable and they have um, the ability to really uh, change people's relationships with nature, which will hopefully also make people more interested in flowers as well. So you've done a lot of work on that front, Baylor, and I really appreciate it. Well, right back at you, Deborah. I mean, what you have done for the whole local flower movement is incredible. You've really elevated it to a, a national and international level. And I'm just really impressed with how you've helped so many people and, you know, in, in their pursuit of growing and, and decorating with flowers and plants. And it's really neat. So thank oh. you for creating that Slow Flowers community. Oh, you bet. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a privilege. And um Mentioning decorating with plants makes me want to ask you to tell people how to find you on social media. Where would be the best? And we'll put these oh. these uh, links in our show notes for today as well. But you're you have a site, oh you have a uh, Instagram account called Decorating with Plants, right? I do, and I also have Lila B Design. Okay, and then I think it's if you search Baylor Chapman Gardens that comes up, and um, and not BaylorChapman.com will be available or up very soon. And Lila B Design, it's L I L A B as in boy, design singular. So. And I sure hope I don't call you Lila the next time I see you. Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> you believe know, you, I did it's that. It's so funny. Because you don't call me that in person. It's only these the two times that um, <laughs> during the interview. So it's just it must come out right after. Seriously, I don't think you've ever called me Lila. Yeah, um, I have except for those two times. <laughs> There's something <laughs> so about maybe my brain is working faster than, or my mouth is working faster than my brain, or something. Oh well, I'm glad we can it laugh about sense. it. Well, congratulations on such a beautiful book. I I knew you were working on it, and and I just I have to say. When it, it arrived in the mail and I opened it, I just, I was mesmerized. I think the production quality is so beautiful and uh, there's a, so much solid information in here for anybody who at any level of their relationship with plants, it's going to, you know, lure them down the path uh, into the jungle with Baylor. <laughs> well, thank you. And you can thank Bridget, uh, who she was my editor at Artisan, mm. and she was phenomenal. So mm. she really helped guide me in this yeah. process. Yeah, it takes um, a village. Push it along. Yeah, it really does. Wow. So. Okay, good. Uh, well, well I'm so glad that you have a class coming up at Filoli. So we'll put a link to that too. If it's in, okay, in you know, just in June, people, if they're in the Bay, in the Bay Area, they'll want to come find you and um, subscribe to your 
occasional newsletters and you always send okay. send out informa information that we need to know. And uh, congratulations. I, I know that when you finish a book, the next the next thing people ask is, when's your next book, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you that. I'm just going to say, may, okay. may you have great success in your next creative endeavor, because I know you'll be you're cooking you. something up. Okay. Deborah, thank you so much. Always you. a treat to chat with you. Oh, thanks for sharing your story today. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. I'm so pleased that Baylor joined us for an update on her deep passion for and creative life built around plants. She has tapped into the life-giving force that inspires her three-dimensional botanical art. And I hope hearing from her has opened up your thinking about adding or expanding the way you engage with the plant world. Our next sponsor spotlight is the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. It's fitting that ASCFG is mentioned here because today's 50 States of Slow Flowers guest is a member of both ASCFG and Slow Flowers. Please meet Mary Marston of Plum Nelly Flower Farm in Cushada, Louisiana. Plum Nelly Flower Farm is a Louisiana licensed florist as well as a flower farm. Mary writes this on the Plum Nelly About page saying, All our flowers are planted in the rich alluvial soil of the Red River. The term specialty cut flowers means our flowers are the best ones to be grown locally. We grow them to their peak of perfection and sell them fresh to local florists and shop owners as well as to the general public. Let's meet Marion. Be sure to see a few photos of this Louisiana Slow Flowers voice in today's show notes at DebraPrinzing.com. Hey, I'm so excited to uh, be on the line today with Mary Marston of Plum Nelly. And Mary is our, uh, our snapshot of Louisiana guest. Hi, Mary. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad we got connected. Um, I am so excited to be talking about local flowers in the state of Louisiana and uh, your farm, Plum Nelly, which I, I think you started in 2011, right? Right. Great. Right. We just realized we met in 2012 when you were at the ASC conference <laughs> in my backyard. I'll have to come down and visit right. you. Um, so, <laughs> Mary, give us a snapshot of, of where you're located in the state and then what, what is Plum Nelly in terms of your sort of all your pieces of that pie? <laughs> Okay, Plum Nelly is in the northwest corner of Louisiana. Um, we're actually much more similar to East Texas mm. climate-wise than, than we are South Louisiana. Mm. Um, we have this year, well, the last two years have been extra rainy, so we're not real happy about that. <laughs> but we'll manage or start planting water lilies, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. Oh, no. Um, yeah, yeah, but... Um, well, what was the rest of it? Oh, North well, uh, and you were telling me earlier that the farm is in Cachada, which is about 45 yeah. minutes from where you live, right? Yes, yes. I actually live in a little town called Houghton, which I had moved to when I was a high school science teacher mm. and lived here and taught here in Houghton. And then I retired from that and decided to go back to my roots, which is in Cachada, Red River Parish and uh, actually north of the town. But that's where I grew up. My dad was a cotton farmer. Wow. And I just decided how cool it would be to kind of go back home and do what I remember growing up, though he didn't grow flowers. <laughs> right. but just He loved them, but he didn't grow them. Yes. Obviously, that, that place has a huge imprint on who you are. and, and um, you're Very much so, oh, yes. That's wonderful. So, um what is this? What are all the features of Plum Nelly? Like, what do you what do you grow, and what are your services that you offer to customers? Oh, okay. Um, well, we are a horse farmer, and we do mostly seasonal. I do have one greenhouse which has lilies now, and it had ranunculus and anemones, and mm. they're about finished, mm -hmm. and a few dahlias and a few other, you know, like some scented geraniums or whatever that do better under cover. And then the rest is field grown, some transplants, 
um, uh, direct seeded. Mm -hmm. Probably when I got started, I was doing mostly sunflowers and zinnias, you know, the easy things to start with. If anybody's thinking of starting, that's a good place to go. And then I kind of evolved into being um, a designer as well and have a florist license. So for especially off season, that's kind of been helpful (laughs) with the money to do weddings in the winter, which is popular here, I guess, because it's so hot in the summer. They like their weddings in, you know, December, January. So that's kind of where I've gone with it. And I do a bouquet subscription. This is our second year to offer that. And we do Mother's Day. Uh, I don't do try to do Valentine's Day. We don't have anything, and I didn't want to get into mm. that craziness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you kind of. So we're gearing up now. Yeah. Well, yeah. where I'm speaking to you the week before Mother's Day, I think this is going to um, actually run on May 15th. So you'll have recovered from Mother's Day by the time people hear this. But um, that okay. is <laughs> it, in the terms of your region where you are in Northwest Louisiana. Um, what is like, for example, what's the largest metro market near you, or are you kind of it for for local flowers? Um, the largest town or city near us is called Shreveport. Oh yeah, and uh, as far as other Northwest Louisiana growers, uh, there's not. If there are any now, they're new. Okay, I haven't heard of them. Um, there are some that and friends that I've gotten to know more in East Texas mm-hmm. than right here. Yeah. They're not actually that far away. Yeah. And then the other hub is really kind of in the New Orleans area, as far as I've noticed, right? Yes, yes. There's not much in between, I don't think. Mm. There may be some coming, but um, I well, get, in, you know, people asking me, can they come see? <clears throat> They're thinking about doing it, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> not often <laughs> well it's it's what you mentioned about your seasonality i find really interesting because being in the northwest you know we don't have uh-huh. the humidity and the heat in our summer so a lot of weddings do take place in the summer it sounds like because of the humidity and the hot summers your demand for wedding flowers is really more spring and fall is that correct yes it is um the w- weddings that have done just seasonal flowers for their weddings have been either spring or fall i had one you know, October, not October, September wedding that I thought I would be able to help. And we had one of those, you know, extra bad climate, whatever. <laughs> and I didn't have, I didn't have the quantity I needed. So boy, I was scrambling to get flowers from mm. people all around, um, you know, to, to supplement, but mostly uh, the best time for me to do just total seasonal, my flowers is like, May mm. <laughs> right now because wow. it starts getting so hot and the bugs start coming and you know it's it's hard to keep up with it all. But, but it sounds um, like you, yeah, it sounds like your CSA customers are still getting their bouquet subscriptions all all yeah. summer, right? All season, yes, they are because they're you know they don't mind what it is. You know mm-hmm. they don't want color. Um, they're not asking for just pink and white or whatever. Right, so right. They get whatever's blooming. That's neat. And uh, they've been real happy with it. Yeah. What about, um, do you do farmer's markets or have you have you in the past? And tell um, me about that. <laughs> yes, we do one market, um, the Shreveport Farmer's Market. And oh. I've done that one since I started. And it, we have a pretty loyal following there. <clears throat> it's interesting. It only start, it starts in June because it's at what's called Festival Plaza in Shreveport. And we have so many festivals in Louisiana. The last one for the spring season is the, it always the last weekend of May. So we mm. can't use the, the festival plaza till after it. So it always starts first weekend in June mm. and then runs through August and then stops because there's a big festival, a couple of them in the September time. And then it'll reopen for about one more month in October to, to about Thanksgiving. Kind of wrap things up but, for the yeah, season. We, Right, right. So, but yeah, we do that, and that's really a, how people have gotten to know who I am. Um, you know, seeing my stuff and asking questions. So that yeah. it's been a good outlet for us. Well, I loved hearing your story about how you were raised um, in the Cachada area, <laughs> and your father was a cotton farmer. Uh, yeah. How yeah. it sounds like you're one of those classic stories where you left left home, went to college, got a had a career in education, and kind of thought you were going to leave the farm behind and now you're back. It, right. I don't want to, I don't want to uh-huh. leap to that conclusion, but tell us your journey. 
it was pretty much just what you said. <laughs> I, you know, figured I'd, you know, retire from teaching and then that would be that uh, as far as any doing any extra <laughs> working hard anyway. <laughs> but I, I ran across an article and, and I don't know why it was even looking, but it was on the LSU Ag site and it had an article written by um, Deborah. Cummings. Okay. Wasn't that Deborah? Anyway, she um, was a horticulturalist for LSU and she grew flowers um, in Lafayette before she actually moved to Shreveport. Hmm. And she wrote an article on um, growing cut flowers in Louisiana, probably around the early 2000s, mm-hmm. before it took off like it has now. Right. And I had run across that and I thought, just like so many new people now. Oh, I never thought of that. I never even thought about where flowers came from. Right, you know, you right. just picked them up or grew them in your yard just for yourself. You know, I just never, ever crossed my mind. And it just intrigued me. So I uh, tilled up a corner in my yard and I planted zinnias and gave them away. Everybody loved them and <laughs> it, just, it caught. Wow. So and when I got to the first point I could retire from teaching, boy, I took it. Wow. <laughs> and because I knew I had the place I could do it. You know, I was very fortunate there. We still had the family farm and um, my wow. brother and I. So that that wasn't the problem. I so see. I just okay. I decided to dive in. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I have so many questions about that. You said you were a high school science teacher. So is, do you think, teacher. Do you, say that again? Yes, science teacher. Yeah. Physics so, and chemistry, actually. Okay. Do you feel like that really, that has helped you get a little bit, um, you know, kind of not be so intimidated by botany and, you know, the art and science of growing flowers? Did that help you at all? Or was it just sort of the way your mind works? Uh, I guess, yeah, I didn't. There are some things that connected for me. Uh, not a lot. Actually. <laughs> um, more of them, actually more of the mechanics. And then the things that I don't didn't like about teaching, I still don't like, which is uh, the planning part, you know, like lesson plans, <laughs> you know, planning out what I need to buy and when and how much and what, you know, that part. I've, I've way more of the kind of just want to kind of just do, uh, but you can't do that as a business, I wish. Yeah, <laughs> oh <my> right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And then your, uh, you said that this is your family land that you were able to continue, yeah. that you could actually establish a farm. How much acreage of that right. parcel of land are you actually I, growing on? Um, probably I've got two fields fenced in because around it, the cattle, they have hay field and cattle. Mm. Uh, we lease that part out, but about two acres probably. Wow. With the one uh, hoop house on it. Wow. It's not, of course, as you know, it's not all growing flowers at the exact same time with the succession planning and all that, but I have the two acres to work through. Wow. And uh, which helps. Well, yeah. I will encourage listeners to look on your website and see your um, calendar of what is available when in terms of your crop, uh-huh. your crops. And that will kind of give people an idea of like you, you're very diversified in terms of your um, offerings of herbaceous and then some woody product, too. Right. 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 We, we do have a nice little uh I call it willow grove. It's mm. not that much, but we have some, you know, curly willow trees that we use a lot of. We use it either in bouquets or or flower crowns, or it makes a great mechanic for flower arrangement. Right. You know, I just right. curl it up and stick it in those clear vases and hold those flowers up the way you want them to go. Yeah. So, but I use it for all sorts of stuff. And, and a few other things, too, but yeah. I'm sure the willow loves the wet. Uh, you said you had a lot of rainfall. Uh, it must be happy. Yes. Maybe that's what I should specialize <laughs> in, willow. <laughs> it's happy. It's doing great. <laughs> and then and oh, then was there, was there a family farm name, and then you added Plumnelli? Or how did – I mean, I love the name Plumnelli, and uh, I don't <laughs> really know why. It's just a, an old-fashioned country uh, name. It, it, I know. It just kind of goes together. Well, my father was one that say phrases, you know, Katie bar the door or whatever. But he would say, well, it's Plum Nelly ready or we're Plum Nelly there. And he meant it as we're almost. Mm. So like we're almost there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of looked it up and apparently the original phrase was uh, plumb out in the country, Nelly to the city. (laughs) I'm far out, you're almost back, you know. 
And uh, but it just fit to me, plum Nelly. I felt like, especially with a flower farm on the end of it, just when I was starting out, you know, almost a flower farm. I love it. I'm more than a garden, you know. Right. I feel like I had to teach my brother to quit calling it a garden. I'm like, it's not a garden. Gardens are weeded. We're not weeded. <laughs> <laughs> it's plum Nelly, a flower farm. We just farm. Try to beat the weed. Uh-huh. Do people uh, do people call you Nelly and not realize your name is Mary? <laughs> Uh-huh, they do. <laughs> Are you Miss Nellie? <laughs> sort of. Yeah, that's cute. I'll go with it, whatever. That's cute. Uh-huh. Well, you mentioned that you had a license to design, and you, and I'm so interested about yeah. that. So is Louisiana requires florists to have yes. licensed? Yes, it's, I think we're the only state in the nation, and that goes way back to our infamous Louisiana politics, because mm. I think some governor's wife was a florist. <laughs> And she didn't want competition. I really, I think that was the story behind oh, it. My goodness. So, um, yeah, it, there's a test, a written test, and there used to be a, a practical, and you had to go to the Capitol to take the test, to Baton Rouge, to take the test. And they said that they took that part off, but they said it that you say you pulled a, a funeral casket spray to be the design you had to do to pass. They had the different times you drew a card or something. Sure, but right. anyway, they would they would take it or a funeral spray or whatever and literally throw it down the hall. And if anything fell off of it, you flunked. Oh, so my goodness. It was tough. Yeah. I'm real fortunate that I started it after <laughs> that. But, you, but, yeah, I could do the written test just fine. <laughs> but you really you really had, had to get this license to be able to call yourself a florist in – in to be process. able to sell flowers, yeah, yeah, in a in a jar. Mm, in, <laughs> in an I, I can cut them and give them, you know, sell them wrapped or whatever in paper. Fine, that was just the farm part. But mm. if I do design work, I had to have a florist license. Wow. Yeah. Well, I noticed that you also yeah. you also have uh, a, a number of affiliations on your website, including Slow Flowers, which I'm so right. grateful for. But that there there are yeah. a couple there are a couple that are very focused on Louisiana grown. Can can you tell me a little bit about the climate of what's happening for local product, agricultural product in the state? Um, well, Louisiana's got a lot of wonderful agriculture products. Besides, of course, my flowers, which <laughs> we're we're small part, but. Uh, uh, crawfish are a huge industry from, from all over Louisiana mm, now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the strawberries from the Hammond area, there's Louisiana strawberries that, that get a lot of attention. Um, there's the l- local, like, citrus fruit, and there's mm-hmm. local peaches. So a lot of fruit stuff, and then, you know, potatoes and sweet potatoes, all that. So it's way more produce than anything else but, um, as but far it, as Louisiana grown. Yeah. It sounds like <clears throat> yeah. it sounds like the consumer mindset is to support Louisiana, Louisiana grown food, and, and they're starting to understand that, that there are Louisiana grown flowers as well. It, exactly. Exactly. And I've made a point to, to volunteer and supply flowers to a couple of things that are focused on Louisiana everything. Mm. And one of them is called The Feast, which is the Shreveport Green Project. <clears throat> and they, that's their fundraiser. And they always spoke, it's kind of like that field to table thing mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. Uh, California does, mm-hmm. just the one time a year. But they use local um, food, local chefs, the whole thing. So when I realized what they were doing, I actually contacted them and said, I would love to provide flowers for this because I'm all locally grown flowers and oh they jumped on it. So oh, wow. I've gotten a lot of good good publicity doing that and and some of those local well like actually for Cinco de Mayo that's one of the local um chefs that mm. was participating and they they asked me to come and participate in their Cinco de Mayo festival thing at a nice park and we did that and actually did real well. Oh wow. Um, just just but, this last weekend. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. my goodness. Um Wow. Well, I'd love to share some photos of you and your farm and your flowers and your designs with um, the okay. listeners of the podcast so we can share them on our show notes for today's episode. And um, I'd love to have people find and follow you. I just subscribed to your newsletter, Mary. So, <laughs> oh, no. well, thank you. <laughs> You'll get one about twice a year total. <laughs> Not built up on getting that done, but I do send it out once in a while or yeah. something really interesting. No, nope. yeah, no problem. I mean, it's just no fan nice. for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you're. I know you're active on social media too. So, um, 
So yeah. I'd love to, yeah. if you send me, it, yeah, I'd love to share those photos. And I'm just so glad to meet you virtually again and uh, hear about what's happening in your corner of the 50 states of slow flowers. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I enjoy talking to you and I will uh, look forward to showing off what we do. Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot, Mary. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. grateful to you for joining me and for spending your time listening to the Slow Flowers podcast today. Thank you to our entire community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement as our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry. The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to Longfield Gardens. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com and join the spring flower photo contest going on right now through May 24th. Share a photo of what's blooming in your garden, post to Facebook or Instagram, and you might win a $50 gift card from Longfield Gardens. I've shared all the contest details at today's show notes. You might win some great goodies by participating. Before we sign off, can I tell you how truly excited I am about the upcoming Slow Flowers Summit. I want you to join me and our vibrant and engaging lineup of presenters on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. Please grab your ticket to join us. The very last day of our special plus one ticket promotion ends today, May 15th. So take advantage of this generous offer. When you register for the Slow Flower Summit, you can add a guest for $275. This applies to anyone who has already registered as well as new ticket buyers. One of the top reasons our attendees love the Slow Flower Summit is the opportunity to mix and mingle with other kindred spirits. So we want to make it easy for you to experience the summit and bring along your best friend, partner, colleague, or team member with our Plus One Ticket promotion. You can find the details by following the register link at slowflowerssummit.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 462,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one base at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Mm-hmm.